Hello and welcome. You're listening to Epic Podcast, Emergency Preparedness in Canada. My name's Joshua. And I'm Grayson. And this is an Epic Conference debrief episode reviewing the 2021 Emergency Management Stakeholder Summit. Today we are reflecting back on the March 2021 Summit, which was for the first time held virtually and was co-hosted by both the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology and the International Association of Emergency Managers Canada. And if you missed the conference, don't worry, because we've got you covered with a deep dive from our epic conference debrief team, including Allison Post, Greg Selecki, and Josh Bowen. All this and more on this episode of Epic Podcast, Current, Relevant, Canadian. Well, 2021 was a difficult year for professional development. Everyone was busy. Everyone was burnt out from the years of over-responding. And perhaps it's times like this that taking a moment to dedicate to learning and, and maintaining an open mind is more important than ever. And that's what the EMSS 2021 theme of disruption and innovation was really all about. New ideas, open-mindedness, and flexibility even under the most stressful of circumstances where sometimes all we want to do is retreat into our old, safe, comfy normal that unfortunately no longer exists. There are some great keynote speakers, such as Chris Clearfield, who talked about how organizations can successfully tackle wicked or impossible problems. Chief Sue Henry spoke about the need for innovations and partnerships built during COVID to be carried forward into a new normal, and a passionate talk led by Dr. Carrington on the importance of mental health during disaster. But it was also a rather emotional conference in a lot of ways. The spotlight really is on our profession, and the fatigue and stress of being under that type of scrutiny for this long showed up in some of the blunt discussions and commentary during sessions, including the importance of hearing from a more diverse set of emergency management professionals at events such as this and in the community at large. So we thought that this conference in particular was worth debriefing, and this recorded debrief discussion took place immediately after the conference with an assortment of organizers, presenters, and attendees. Please listen and enjoy. Thank you all so much for joining us. I have with me here Allison Post, Josh Bowen, and Greg Selecki. We are the Emergency Management Stakeholder Summit debrief crew for 2021, <laughs> and it was a brainful. So without any further ado, I'm just going to ask each of you to introduce yourself, your background, plus what you took away from the conference. Let's start off with Allison. Well, hello, everyone, and uh, it's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. I am uh, an emergency manager. I also sit on the Professional Development Committee of the IAEM Canada, and I am a blogger, author, and my experience is uh, primarily in the real property and uh, emergency management fields. Awesome. Was there any uh, key takeaways from the conference that you would like to bring up? One of the really big ones was this idea of uh, iterative practice. I think in emergency management, we sometimes worry about, you know, making mistakes in, in our response. And certainly we need to have some core principles that, that we follow. But I think that sometimes the, the uh, resistance to experimentation may lead to some um, challenges on, it, on its own. I think you just hit on pretty much all of the key topics of the conference there. I mean, yeah, the that idea of failing to experiment and failing to, to change is really um, key. Let's move on and uh, maybe Greg Slucky, if you want to go next. Sure. Thanks very much. My background, uh, I was actually, I started firefighting in 1980. 
wow, from 1986 and moved over into emergency management in 2001. The, the big change for me was 9-11. Had a lot of questions, like a lot of people, and decided to move over into the business continuity emergency management side of it. And at that point was voluntold by the fire chief in the city of Calgary to uh, make sure the city was prepared. And, and what he meant by that was the emergency operations center, the alignment of all the other different uh, business units and what the response might look like, whether your water services, NMAX, all the other pieces of critical infrastructure, not just the emergency services. So that led me into a lot of work in the utilities department, which was water, wastewater, uh, electricity. And then that led to a lot of work with the federal uh, critical infrastructure framework and um, chairing the water sector for a few years and then moving into international development of um, uh, standards. So I spent about, well, I did 26 years at the city of Calgary and then decided to step out of uh, that nice, comfortable nest and, and see what the rest of the world looked like from a, a, a working perspective, but also because I, I felt I had something to share. And now I'm, I'm working uh, with a couple of different consultancy agencies, Sanders and one called Go Crisis, which is much more international. As far as the conference went, one of the areas I, I think I'm maturing in a little bit is uh, the leadership and emotional intelligence side. So uh, I have spent many, many years in the emergency operations center, good or bad. Uh, I've learned a lot and, and can provide a lot of the experience and, and some expertise. But now uh, having increased knowledge and, and probably more an awareness uh, of, of how leadership really is the, that spread throughout a lot of what we do. So the emotional intelligence and a lot of what we heard, at least maybe I was listening to it or listening for it a lot more this time, I was picking out a lot of the empathy and a lot of the uh, feelings around emergency managers and the emergency operations center. So that's where I'm uh, moving now. And it was great to see it. It, it. There was a lot of it, I thought, throughout the conference these last two days. You know, that's a really interesting perspective. And I can't help but think that this conference happened at a bit of an interesting time. Everyone is just burnt and and emotions are pretty darn high right now. There was a lot of emotion in this conference. There was a lot of uh, listening for uh, different people's opinions. And that was amplified by the fact it was virtual. It's hard to read the room when you're not in the room. So Josh, over to you. Great. Yeah, thanks, Grayson, for, for having me here and, and the invitation. My cup is, is completely full, uh, overflowing uh, from these, these last couple of days. I've, I've been at Nate for uh, just under four years now. I uh, started off as an instructor in the emergency management program and then got, got the idea for uh, what eventually became our Center for Applied Disaster and Emergency Management. Uh, and so we're we're really thrilled to have uh, been able to host in, in partnership with IAM Canada. Um, prior to that, I spent 13 years in the military and um, went to five major disasters uh, across the country. And I've spent the last year actually seconded to lead Nate's response to COVID. Um, so that's been been a whole lot of really key learnings. And I think the, the one that I really want to pick up on is something that, that Chief Sue Henry from SEMA said this morning. Uh, and it was really about when we're trying to solve these complex problems, these impossible problems, there's sort of three questions to ask all the time. Uh, and it's it's what are we not thinking of? What's that thing that we're missing? Because to me, that really invites curiosity, invites creativity, and encourages other perspectives to come in. 
To me, that's that's one of the most important questions. The most important question that we need to be asking is who are we not thinking of? Because if, if we look at, at any community, there is diversity, whether it's gender, age, background experiences. If we're not looking at multiple different perspectives and incorporating those perspectives in, then we're kind of missing the point. Uh, and then the last one is who should we inform and how do we control that message? So it really comes back to that, that central theme that I think we heard from, from Sean and Bruce. And it's communication is the glue that holds every response, every preparedness, uh, every mitigation, every recovery piece together. And so really those, those three questions from, from Chief Henry, what are we not thinking of? Who are we not thinking of? And who should we inform? Drives the entire gamut of emergency management. You mentioned Chris Clearfield's talk about impossible problems. Uh, I'd love to chat about that if, if that's okay. And honestly, the first one that comes to mind is what you just mentioned, Greg, was the impossible problem of someone coming to you and saying, make sure the city's prepared, okay? Uh, <laughs> I just can't imagine being in your shoes for that. And some of the characteristics of an impossible problem, according to Chris, who was unable to make it today, is that you're dealing with unclear solutions and you don't control the people and you don't control the resources. Another great quote from his talk was, if curiosity is a superpower, command is kryptonite. And that speaks to a lot of what we do in emergency management. Uh, it's very comfortable to, to get set in our ways. So I'd like to open up the discussion on what sort of impossible problems have you been faced with and what sort of possible solutions have you come up with? Yeah, you know, I, I, there's so much uh, that I could touch on that you just said there. Um, when uh, Chris, I think, was talking about uh, the impossible problem with the Seattle Seahawks when they said they had the proximity sensors on all the players, they were basically having a competition to see who could get the best score over the whole season. And uh, I know the, the finances wouldn't be there for any university teams or even a, a lot of Canadian national teams unless you're playing hockey. But if you could incorporate that somehow with all the athletes and basically make it a competition with our young athletes, I'm talking about amateur athletes, I'm talking about the university athletes that are out there, look at how we can take this idea and watch out for each other. So maybe you're on social media a bit too much, maybe, and you're with the people that aren't your, in your team's bubble. Uh, maybe you've gone on a trip somewhere and uh, keeping score that way. I, I just thought that was, that was great to hear about that. So the other one for me is, if we are thinking about emotional intelligence, and I, I think we are, and, and incorporating that into leadership, how can we incorporate that into our EOC or our emergency management world? And, and not just by personally having the emotional intelligence side of it, but how can it work within an exercise? And the example I was using was maybe instead of just using the concrete numbers everywhere, and what if we start asking the question, how do you feel if you have to work that 24-7 hour, 24-7 shift? How do you feel if you have to start triaging patients um, uh, on a daily basis because you don't have the equipment to keep them alive? And, and questions like that, that maybe uh, we can put into our exercises and, and then maybe we, can, maybe we can be better in the future while we're doing our planning and when the, the event actually hits us so that we are thinking about, like you just mentioned, the people, uh, who are we not thinking of? Maybe with these questions, we will get to that answer earlier than in the actual incident. 
I think that's such a critical question to ask that who are we leaving out? Um, I know at the end, there was some chat about whose perspectives are we not hearing in these discussions. And I think it's so critical in the planning processes uh, to hear from Indigenous people, racialized groups, uh, members of the LGBTQ2S plus community, members of the disability community, that sort of thing, and really understand in our, in our preparedness efforts what we need to do to address the challenges that those populations are likely to have. What Chris Clearfield said was uh, leaders needing to be comfortable acknowledging they're not always going to get everything right. And I think that integrating those different perspectives in the iteration of our, of our processes and incorporation of some best practices, I think we'll get closer. Two things that I, I want to see if I can link together here. One, Greg, you mentioned the Seahawks thing and the, the meeting them where they live making this physical distancing a, a competition because you're dealing with athletes. How can we meet emergency managers or emergency responders where they live to incorporate things like emotional intelligence? There's also a talk by Kristen Duesman on the integration of a larger role for the safety officer, which would include psychological safety in an EOC. How do we make that part of the EOC instead of just continuing to give a little bit of lip service? You know, I, I think one of the biggest things that, that we need to do is really get comfortable being uncomfortable, failing. And failure is not a four-letter word. I think so many people that are in emergency management, uh, because they primarily have a first responder or military background, everything is a no-fail mission. That actually puts so much stress on people and adds so much toxicity to an environment and I think the idea of, of when we get into to training and we get into the mitigation of the preparedness side, that's when you push the boundaries. That's when you really take the opportunity to learn something, to try something new, to experiment. And if we're able to, to shift the mindset from we're going to go through the exercise so that we meet all the checks in the box and, and then we're going to uh, make sure that we you know hit this compliance and, and everybody comes out feeling great about what they did, then I think we finally, fundamentally lost an opportunity. Because the thing that, that it comes back to from, from my perspective is that crisis is never just one thing. What precipitates the crisis is never the thing that you're actually going to solve. None of us actually solved COVID. I led Nate's response to COVID for a year. Like, I never looked in a microscope and tried to come up with a vaccine. Like that, That's somebody else that did that. We manage the impacts. We support people to succeed through the impacts. So until we get comfortable being uncomfortable, and until we're willing to fail in training, we're not going to be able to be in that environment where we can actually push forward and push the envelope. I really like that. A great mentor of mine said, if you leave an exercise uh, feeling good about yourself and feeling like you've succeeded, you're either perfect or it was not a good exercise. On the topic of impossible problems, another theme of the conference seemed to be about the identity of emergency management and, and the profession, bridging the gap uh, between all of the incredibly different backgrounds of emergency managers and the incredibly different realms in which we operate. One of my favorite parts of the conference was uh, Josh Morin was doing a talk on an ethos that precedes us. And he started off with a visualization exercise on close your eyes, I'm going to say the word emergency manager, what jumps to mind? And I guarantee you it was different for everyone. So starting off with Allison, how do we solve that impossible problem of a, a divergent profession? I think actually the divergent 
backgrounds that each of us have is actually a strength. But I think that one of the things we do so well as emergency managers is to build a consensus among so many different stakeholder groups, community organizations, municipalities, emergency service organizations. One of the studies I read recently was talking about how we've unfortunately elevated uh, medical professionals into that role of decision maker, where that that's kind of not the expertise they have. The medical professionals are making decisions on the medical side, whereas the emergency manager needs to kind of incorporate not only that medical uh, response, but also consider a bunch of other factors and present a solution that sort of incorporates all of those all of those different perspectives. Two things there that I think are so, so important. The first one was we need to move beyond this tired old saying of you don't want to be exchanging business cards at a disaster. Wonderful if we all know each other, but that's not the case. We need to make new friends at a disaster. And like you said, uh, facilitate and build consensus rapidly. And then the other thing you mentioned was um, what I'm going to phrase as uh, sharing the job description of uh, emergency manager. That lots of people identified as emergency managers or in an emergency management role during this pandemic that probably don't have any certificate or formal training you could point to. Maybe that's scope creep or maybe that's a move to a whole society response. I don't know. Josh, you've been writing stuff down like crazy. I feel like you have something to say. Um, go- going back to your you know, your original jumping off point, which was how do we bridge the gap of the profession? Josh Moran gave a phenomenal example and said, you know, all doctors start off as general practitioners and then specialize. And I think in so many ways, by the nature of the way that emergency management grew, everybody was a specialist in their own right and then became a generalist kind of, or they were a specialist in this area and then became another specialist and then became another specialist and probably a fourth specialist. We don't have that same standard. We don't have that same grounding. And these are the things that an emergency manager needs to know. Really, once we're able to, to sort of establish that, that standard, this is, this is, these are the core competencies. This is what you need to know. That's going to set us up for success to be able to have a much richer diversity, which brings me to the second point. And it's that diversity is our strength. And, and Allison just said this. And I think having more people with more perspectives is important. Ellis Stanley uh, is sort of has infamously uh, said that if you run out of resources or options, there aren't enough people at your planning table. The bread and butter of any emergency manager, from my perspective, is the ability to rapidly build teams to solve emergency problems based on incomplete information. So if we can agree that that's sort of the core competency, then we can specialize from there. I've been working on even the question of how do we become a profession? I think all the components are there. You know, you hear like, oh, we never stop learning. And I really think in emergency management, man, you you will never stop because technology changes. But I literally remember... uh, analog phones ringing off the hook, taking a message, writing on a piece of paper, walking over there to the desk. 10 years later, uh, Hurricane Sandy, and you're getting 100 tweets a minute and and thousands of pieces of information. So uh, we will always, I think, have to learn to move along as emergency managers. But we have so many components in place. We've got uh, post-secondary institutions like Nate and, and others. We have professional development committees and people looking at what would those core competencies be. 
we have legislation out there that says every municipality in this country has to have a director of emergency management, yet we're not recognized officially as a profession. And, and you have to pass that torch along because personally, I've been trying to do this for 15 years to try and make it a profession. And I know there were people before me. Uh, it, it's good to see we keep taking these steps forward and getting closer and closer. And I think uh, that's going to be something that we'll see the uh, actual profession. And then a lot of what we've talked about will become uh, at least uh, tangible in the core for, for new emergency managers. Josh and, and Greg, you just blew my mind. I've never heard the profession of emergency management explained that way, that we start off as specialists and move towards generalists. I can't, off the top of my head, think of another profession that works that way. Um, I was fortunate enough, and, and talk about learning something. Last March, there was a need to get uh, some of our local, close to Calgary, Indigenous communities basically up to speed quickly. And like a lot of municipalities and major corporations, there weren't business continuity plans in place for the most part. But we got to the point even, okay, you know, and we broke it down with what do they have for critical infrastructure as simple as water? Like, you know, what happens if, right? Because we were still in that early stage, March, April of, okay, where's this going to go? And, and how are these other sectors going to be impacted? And after SARS, I, I, I did some work for, for Public Safety Canada on the cascading impacts of an actual novel virus hitting the health sector and how it hit the other sectors. And to see this all unravel the way that we had predicted with, with the information is just incredible. In any case, I kind of used that model to look at um, the nations and, and to help them through what they needed to understand or prepare for. Well, when we started talking about the food issue, you know, already the borders were closing and there was a potential that food could be a problem at some point. And so the elders, they got together and they started talking and they're like, okay, we increased the buffalo hunt this year and we need to have that uh, stamp of approval from wherever that comes from to be able to do that, to get the reefer trucks, to get more freezers so that we can ensure that we've actually got the food supply. Because if you're telling me uh, that uh, there might be an issue with food coming across the border or food coming in and out of Calgary, or even our people not being able to get in and out of Calgary, then we're going to have to take care of ourselves. And there's an impossible, potentially an impossible problem of what they would have to deal with because we didn't know last March and April and they came up with a solution. So I like the fact that uh, how do we incorporate others? Uh, and, and there's an opportunity again, to be able to help provide that support for uh, a group that can definitely start looking after themselves and using their own culture to develop their own type of emergency manager. If I could just jump in, I mean, one of the things, Allison, that, that you said was uh, talking about, you know, how do we actually increase diversity in the field? Uh, and one of the things that, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of, of Kristen on our team, uh, who's led Summit for the last two years. What we've gone from is, is a, a bringing people together to talk about, these are the things that we learned from this last year, to having a, a summit that's focused on what are the things we need to learn now to set us up for success in the future? I, I attended a session talking about cultivating professional culture in EM. Uh, another one 
talking about what's the role of social workers in emergency management and how do we in integrate those perspectives. There was another one on gender-based analysis plus uh, and intersectionality and, and how do we increase the diverse lens that we apply to solving these problems so that we incorporate everybody. And there was another one looking at how do we use drones? I mean, the, the diversity, uh, it's just, I mean, it's, it's incredible to see uh, what, what Kristen's been able to do with this and, and all kudos go, go her way for that. You know, once you say that out loud, I'm thinking about uh, three years ago when I attended what the summit was back then, and it was uh, still very informative, still very important, but it was a lot of how I organized my EOC for this and that, and there was none of that at this conference. It was so refreshing to hear social complexity addressed in an emergency management con uh, conference because that's our job. Um, I see a lot of tired faces on, on the line. Uh, Josh, you said that your cup is full. I'm pretty sure I lost my cup a few hours ago. So some final comments. Uh, we'll start with Allison, go to Greg, and then finish off with Josh Braun. I think one of the unique challenges of the COVID-19 has been you know, this transition to virtual, but it has also enabled me to attend from Victoria. You know, uh, folks from Australia, from all around the world have, have attended and contributed to this conference. Um, I'll just put in a quick plug for a study that uh, myself and three other IAEM professional development colleagues have written. What our study covered was virtual EOCs. And what we have noticed, uh, in addition to the technology, was how it's impacted people, how it's impacted process. So uh, very excited to, to share some of our findings with, uh, with the community and talk further about that. I think just to circle back to, to the beginning uh, and what I had mentioned, and I, I think it was David Parsons um, from Sydney yesterday that said, there isn't a, a CEO or a leader out there that isn't now considering the emotional intelligence. They are all looking at that and trying to figure out how to be better and how to work better that way. So us as emergency managers in that leadership role, whether it's on a day-to-day -day basis with our own organization or we're thrust into it because of some emergency response or disaster, I really do think there's something there that is going to help us out going forward. You know, I'm always careful because for anybody who was at Summit last year, at the very end of it, I sort of stood up and said, in the next three to six weeks, somebody in this room is going to be having the worst day of their community's life. And that was, you know, the third week of February, 2020, um, it turned out everybody was. So I, that's why I wasn't allowed to speak this year. But really to me, what, what it comes down to for, for people in the emergency management field is it's really about leaders playing that key role in establishing hope. And hope comes from leaders being present, from listening, genuinely listening and asking well thought out, truly curious questions. And then finding a way to help others grieve whatever their day has been. So give space for people to have those emotional outlets and celebrate the wins. It's all about hope. All about hope. Allison Post, Josh Bowen, Greg Sluckley, thank you so much for joining us for this epic interview and debrief of the Emergency Management Stakeholder Summit held by Nate co-hosted by the International Association of Emergency Managers Canada. Perhaps I will just 
end this uh, conversation by uh, saying word for word one of the most impactful quotes, I think, of the conference coming from Chief Sue Henry of the Calgary Emergency Management Agency addressing the issues of complexity during COVID. We have to figure out what we want to keep and what we want to do next. Resist the urge to fall back into the old patterns that contributed to the current situation. There is no return to normal. And that's all for this episode of Epic Podcast. A big thanks to Nate and IAEM Canada for organizing the conference and to Allison Post, Greg Selecki, and Josh Bowen for sharing their time with us as we debriefed it. Just before we go, I would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Uh, This episode was brought to you in part by Pod Power. With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. Uh, This episode, we'd love to give a a shout out to Your Forest. Your Forest is a podcast about the natural world. Hear stories about the environment, renewable resources, conservation, forestry, hunting, fishing, and more. This is a podcast for those who cannot live without the joys and wonders of all things wild find your forest wherever you get podcasts or at yourforestpodcast.com that's yourforestpodcast.com this episode was also brought to you in part by Rumi, who have prepared an ad for you that i will play right now hi there i'm brendan a certified home inspector with Rumi. do you have a problem that needs fixing whether it's big or small inside or outside let me help you find out what's really going on you can call me by phone or we can take a look together over video chat. Visit rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot C-A, and go to Ask a Home Inspector to book your appointment with me today. You've been listening to an Epic Podcast production, a proud partner of the International Association of Emergency Managers Canada and a member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. As always, Epic Podcasts are designed as a supplementary educational tool for the EM professional on the go. The views and opinions explored during this podcast do not necessarily represent the agencies or organizations that we or our guests may belong to. For more information about the show or the people on it, visit our website at epicpodcast.ca or follow us on Twitter at username Epic Podcast. Stay tuned for more on the next episode of Epic Podcast, current, relevant, Canadian.